Good morning, everyone. Now, this morning, as I am looking at the youth in GFC, I'm thankful that God has given them to us as part of GFC. Uh, they are part of the body of Christ, and I'm, as I look at them, they look so promising and filled with potential. Somebody say amen to that. Now, as I ponder about the, the Word of God regarding youth uh, for this morning, the Bible actually reminds all of us. In fact, the Bible characterizes the youth phase, the youth season with this. You are characterized by strength and vigor. You know, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29 say this. If you look at the text, uh, if you realize this, young people are filled with energy. You can run faster than us. You can run further. Uh, your brain works faster. You can remember better. Think, think about it. It's true. You have better resources than us right now compared when I was a youth. You have better resource to enjoy, uh, to succeed, to thrive compared to me many, many, many years ago. And I have to say this, what a good season that you are in right now. Can all the youth say amen? Yeah. <laughs> Yet I have to say this, okay, let, let me continue by saying this. Yet the Bible also says this about you, youths. Uh, it's a season characterized by immaturity. Oops, waywardness <laughs> of one sort or another. You know, youth is a time whereby People, youths do silly things that they will regret later in life without understanding the full implication or consequences. Uh, that's why we have phrases in the Bible that says this, the sins of my youth in Psalm 25, or even Job has described this. But while we look at our youths today, uh, and when we look at all this image, it seems like it's disappointing. I mean, it's negative. But I have to say this, that's good, that there are good news in the Bible, in what we believe in, in God. And I want to encourage all of us by saying this, this youth season that you guys are in, the youths, and also I'm speaking to the adults, the season the youths are in right now is a season whereby it will pass it is a season whereby they can establish positive pattern in life. In fact, it's a formative season that sets you for greater things to come. And if you sow well during this season of your life, I believe with all my heart that you will reap good results in the days to come. That's why we have passages in the Bible again to encourage you, to exhort you, to command you to look at your lives carefully and to live your life carefully. For example, Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 9 and also Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1 whereby it says this, Rejoice, young men and young women, during your childhood and let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood and follow the impulses of your heart and the desire of your eyes yet know that god will bring you to judgment for all these things it's encouraging you to live your life carefully in that sense and of course paul encourages timothy to say this that flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness faith love with a pure heart peace with a pure heart in that sense Youths, I have to say to you and also to the adults and to the church as a whole, that youths, this season that you are in is a formative season for you, for something good, something great to come. So this morning, I want to encourage the entire church, 
to help our young people, our younger people to grow well and to become champions for God. I believe with all my heart that God has great plans for our young people. They can do great exploit for God. They can be champions for God. And in fact, if you look at the Bible, you see many young champions that are arising, that God has called them, like David, Ruth, Esther, Daniel, Joseph, Jeremiah, Josiah, all young champions arise because God called them. Hence, I entitled my message this morning, Raising Champions in Our Community, to remind all of us, all of us, to be helpful and to guide this part of the body of Christ. How do we raise champions in our community? And I want to share with all of us three points. The first point is that we need to build an intergeneration community. And then after that, I'm going to address the adults and challenge all of us to model and mentor the younger people. And then last point, I'm going to address the youth in our midst and also online to challenge you, encourage you to live out the identity God has called you to. So let me just go to the first point, building an intergenerational uh, community. We need an intergenerational community for champions to grow. Just like durian trees will grow well in certain climate and conditions. Some of us are thinking durians already. There are certain conditions and environment that will enable our younger people to grow well. The champions are not made over, uh, overnight. Look at this. The Davids, the Esther, the Daniel, Joseph, Jeremiah, Josiah in our midst needs to be built up, they need to grow, they need to be empowered, they need to be mentored to fulfill what God has called them to be. They need a good supportive environment or community to grow in. As I investigate the Bible uh, way of raising and developing individuals, I'm reminded of the intergenerational communities that are in the Old Testament and New Testament. The setting of the intergeneration community, whereby different generations share resources, share values, share support for one another, is found in the Bible. And this is the setting that the children and the younger people were being raised in. Both Old and New Testament communities are naturally intergenerational communities, as seen by this in your slide and in the screen. There are intergenerational uh, conversation, interaction that, that were going on in the Bible, as what you see on the screen. Paul's writing is also a uh, painting to us a picture that there's intergenerational link and synergy and responsibility in the congregation. As what you've seen in, in the screen, I want to challenge you, you know, in your reflection, in your study, do more about it. I mean, look into it. But today, I want to look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 to 4. Just look at this scripture. Paul says this to Timothy. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters. In all purity, honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has 
children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Here, Timothy was commanded by Paul, his responsibility, his link to other people, the older men, the younger men, the older woman, the younger woman. There's an intergenerational link in that congregation. Relationships are taking place. And even within the community, if you look at the text, you will see that the children or the grandchildren of widows were urged to take responsibility and care of their parents and grandparents. Again, intergeneration. If you look at Paul's writing and you study the rest of his writings and even other writings in the Bible, you will realize this. Paul, in his writing, urged people in different generations to make connection with one another, intergenerational so as to enhance the quality of community life, to build that environment for growth. We need an intergenerational community to raise champions for Christ. Because all of us will bring different giftings, different skill set, different resources, different uh, perspective and experiences to enrich and to enhance one another, to sharpen one another, one group to another group, the adults to the youths, and even the youths to the adults. It is an intergeneration community that we can contribute together, share resources together, support each other, encourage one another, and especially in this Youth Sunday, to really raise up the younger generation, the younger people to the place that God has called them to be. You see, from the adult's perspective, we have wisdom, uh, we have made certain mistakes, we have experiences that we can share with the younger people to enhance their life, to broaden their perspective so that they can move faster, grow faster, I mean impact more in society and in church. There are also more resources and connections that adults we have built over time and that we can share with them. There are also more eyes. Imagine this in an intergeneration uh, community. There are more eyes, more hands, and more mouth to see, to guide, and to help the younger people before they even make certain grave mistakes. I want to share with you that uh, during my days in, in, my, in Henghua, when Netanya, now a youth, was growing up, I actually told my leaders and I told them, I give you permission to correct and to speak into Netanya's life as she's growing up. Why do I say this? Because, because of the busyness of my ministry that every Sunday when church start, I have to look after people and sometimes there are teaching points during that, that time whereby the child can be corrected, can be guided, can be speak into uh, that I may not be there at that point of time, but some of the leaders are there. So I told my leaders, I give you full permission because I trust them, uh, you must remember. I trust them and I trust them that they will love Netanya well. So I said, you can speak into her life. I give you permission to do that. 
so that when certain teaching points arise, you can really enhance her life in that sense. And I'm so grateful for that community there. They are the extra eyes, extra hands, extra help and extra mouth to really help enhance that generation. Not just her, but also my family in that sense. And sometimes you have to think about this. The words that that auntie say or that uncle say to your child's life actually can have more impact than yours, you know. Because I said, ah, I don't care what mommy and daddy say. What about uncle so-and-so say this? Auntie so-and-so say this? Yeah, yeah, I better follow. We have to recognize that. So we need an intergeneration community here to raise champions, our youth, for God. Because all of us bring different giftings, different skills, different resources and experience to enrich and enhance one another, especially the youths, the younger people in their season. But very quickly, let me remind all of us also that intergeneration community is also not about this. It's not about just the older people enhancing the life of the younger generation, but an intergeneration community also have this scenario taking place whereby the younger one actually enhance the life of the older people. Why do I say this? Just look at the example of Jesus. Jesus used children, younger generation, to teach something about the kingdom of God, the life in the kingdom. To who? To the adults, to the other people. Jesus used the character and the behavior of children to align the adults on their attitude and their trust in God and their relationship with God. So you see, brothers and sisters, children can teach the adults certain aspect of life. The youths also can teach certain aspect of the kingdom to us. So let's build an intergeneration community because it will help all of us, not just the youth. In application on this part, let me say this that if we want to raise champion for Christ and they are sitting in our midst, they are back at home online right now, we need an intergeneration community. And to enhance that community, it is more than just going through service like this whereby different generation comes together. It's more than that. I, I believe that we need to be more intentional so we need to ask ourselves this question, are there more engagement and life together with other groups of the church, other parts of the body of Christ in GFC to enhance that relationship and community? Can we as adults begin to bring younger people in our home and share life with them, get connected with them over a meal? Or can the younger people connect with the older people in some sort of activity or, or project. I'm not sure. Maybe we can ask Ping after that. But I want to suggest this. We need to be more intentional to build an intergeneration community in our midst to raise champion for Christ. As we ponder about this further, uh, maybe in this afternoon you can think about this point. But let me just go on with some other details or suggestion. 
for point two, I'm addressing the adults, that what we can do to enhance the community is that we mentor and model for them. For the younger people at point three, I will want to challenge you, be courageous for God into the calling that God has called you. So very quickly, let me just say this, point two for the adults, and you, you should listen to this also. We can contribute to building of this community for the youths by modeling and mentoring them, modeling of our faith and mentoring the younger people in our midst. And I'm not just talking about faith at home whereby we model our faith as parents to our children, to our youths. I'm talking about beyond that, faith, beyond faith at home to faith at work, your workplace, faith at church as an uncle or auntie or an elder, so that we can model that faith is relevant to them in their generation, in their season. Research shows this, that youth benefit from close, caring relationship with adults who serve as positive role models. They develop positively via this relationship. So I want to challenge all of us adults, the older people in our midst, and also challenge myself and you to model our faith for them, to model our faith to show that there's relevancy in the gospel and the reality of God in their life, even in their season. And better still, if we can mentor a few of them in their life stages because we have already passed that, those life stages and we have certain experience, certain perspectives, certain mistakes that we have made and we, we can share with them. We can journey with them so that their perspective can be widened and they will make lesser mistakes. We can model them. We can enhance the community by modeling and mentoring them. We can encourage them to rise if we do so. And if you look at a study in the Bible that deals with mentoring and modeling, uh, you will realize that there are positive impact on individual when mentoring and modeling take place. Just to name a few, Jethro, Moses, Moses to Joshua, David and his army commanders, Elijah and Elisha, Mordecai, Esther. Think about it, mentoring a modeling relationship actually impacts a lot on that individual. And I want to share with you uh, two illustrations here. The first one is regarding David and his giant slayer, I call it. When David was older, in 2 Samuel chapter 21, as you see on the screen, there's another giant. In fact, there's four giants to be slayed. To, to slay, but he did not. Instead, his men did it. Remember this, before David slayed Goliath, which is in, found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, many years ago, there was no giant killers uh, in the land. In fact, Israel was being ridiculed because of their fear in that sense. But David turned it around by going against the giant and killed him in the name of the Lord of hosts. And here, after many years, when we read 2 Samuel chapter 21, we realize the case that eh, many giant killers actually arise. Just look at it. Philistines were at war with Israel. David went down 
and his servant was with him, and they fought against the Philistine. David become, uh, became weary. So this giant came about, I'm just shortening it, but Abisha, the son of Jeriah, helped him and struck the Philistine and killed him. So this is the first incident. This guy killed the giant. Then David man swore to him, You shall not go out again with us to battle, so that you will not extinguish the Lamb of Israel. Now, look at this. It came about after this, there's war again with the Philistine. And there is another person, Sibaikai, struck down Seth, who is among the descendants of the giant. Another case of a giant slayer. Then verse 19, there was war again with the Philistine, and Elhanah struck another giant. Verse 20, there was, Gath, uh, there was war at Gath again, and there was a man of great stature, uh, six fingers on each hands and six toes on each foot, 24 in numbers, and he was also born to the giant. He defiled Israel. And look at this, Jonathan, the son of Shemel, David's brother, struck him down. Look at verse 22. These four were born to the giant, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servant. What am I saying here? You know, positive example positive modeling, inspiration to his men, and they become giant killer. How about another illustration about the young king and his mentor? Second Chronicles chapter 24, verse 1 to 4, when Joash was seven years old, he became king. Wow, young champions. He reigned 40 years. And verse 2 says this, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord, all the days of Jehoiada, the priest, his mentor, I call him. I think it's, it's very good, positive guidance and come about and, and the kingdom prosper. But the sad thing is this, when we look at verse 17 to 19, after the death of his mentor, Jehoiada, the official of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. Sad thing, why? Because they abandoned the house of the Lord and God of their father and served the other gods. Sad thing. Although this is a negative example, but yet there's something positive inside about modeling, about guidance of the mentor, the older generation to the younger generation. So what am I saying here, brothers and sisters, and to the youths also, that we need mentors we as adults should be like David and Jehoiada that inspired, that model our faith, that give guidance to the younger generation so that they can succeed and become champions for God. Application for us. For the adults, when we come to modeling, I thought that it's a good way today to examine ourselves. Self-examination of our own faith. Is there something authentic and real in our faith to model to the younger people, the champions in our midst? So think about it. Does our lifestyle promote discipleship rather than to promote self-consumption and self, uh, self in that sense? Think about it. And if you are already more, uh, modeling and mentoring, I want to ask you that enhance that. Go 
go for it, uh, go for more. But for those that are yet to mentor younger generation, maybe this is what we can do. We can get connected to the younger ones. Small step. If you don't know names, pray for connection. Pray to God. Ask God to give you names. Speak to Ping. I'm sure he wants to connect and willing to connect some of the younger people to you. Ask for connection and get involved in small ways. These are small baby steps that we can do in order to, in, in order to build this community for God. So I want to challenge you to do that. Model and mentor for the younger generation. Now, very quickly, let me go to the last point. Living out the identity that God has called you to and to the youths, to those youths that are online watching this, I say this as your pastor, God has given you an identity in Christ. Treasure that identity, stay true to that identity and live out that identity that God has called you to. You know, God has called you, I mean just off this verse, God has called each of you a child of God. That's in the Bible. You are the sons and daughters of the living God. You are the salt of the earth, light of the world. You are the heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. You are the ambassador of Christ. You are called and chosen by God. You are the king and priest of God, unto God. And even to this point, maybe some of us, some of you youths, don't feel this way. Maybe you are having that identity crisis because it doesn't seem that you are living as the light of the world or as saints or kings and priests or daughters or sons of the Most High. I still want to encourage this, even though you don't feel it, that you are what the Bible described that you are. In the eyes of God, you are that. A $100 bill, $100, will always be a $100, even though it is crumpled, stained with chili sauce or mala oil, or sweat from the uncle or auntie at the hawker center store. I mean, you will not reject picking up that $100 if you see one, even though it's covered with durian paste. I'm making all of us hungry. That piece of bill is still worth $100 no matter what. And you are the $100 bill. Your identity and your value does not change no matter how crumpled or stained with it. That's how God looked at it. Live out that identity God has called you to. But in today's context, let me just say this. What is your identity? Not just personal identity. What is your identity in the context of community, in the context of GEFC? That's what I want to challenge and encourage you to. Your identity in GEFC is this. You are the church the body of Christ now, not tomorrow, now. You are the church, you are the body of Christ now, today. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse uh, uh, 4, verse 16, Paul wrote this, The whole body being fitted and held together by every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, 
cause the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Paul is talking about the body of Christ growing together. And I want to remind all of us, youths and adults, the entire church, that when this is being written, it is written to the intergenerational community. When Paul is addressing, he's addressing to everybody, the younger generation and the older generation. So in the context of the youth, when you read this, read Paul's writing, he's addressing to you, the church of today, not tomorrow. And he's saying this, you need to also work your part so that the entire body of Christ can grow. Can you imagine this, that one day your leg, your joint, your heart, your mouth start to malfunction and don't want to work anymore? That will cause devastation to the body, disaster. So you are the church, the body of Christ, and we need you to also build the intergeneration community. Peter put it in this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 10. He said this and he described you. Again, remember this, it's an intergenerational community that Peter is addressing. There's youth there, there's children there, there's, there's adults there, there's senior there. And Peter is saying this to the congregation, that you are the living stone. Verse 5 being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Christ. And then verse 9, we know that uh, we are called a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's people to proclaim His excellency to the world. So what is Peter saying here? He's saying that you are the church also. You are living stone. And every one of us, Put together, we built up a spiritual house for God and not just for ourselves, but also for the world. Youths, you are the church, the body of Christ now, today, not tomorrow, today. So start to build up the body of Christ. We need you. And remember this also, familiar verse in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He says this, each of us receive a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good steward of the manifold grace of God. Again, addressing the intergeneration community. He's saying this to the youth, the younger people, the adults, everyone, that every one of us, we have a gift. We are spiritual, uh, we are living stone. Put together, we should use our gifts and contribute for the building up of the church and to also reach the world. So what am I saying here? As a church youth, you are the body of Christ. You need to live out that identity. We need you. So whatever skills that you have, offer it not just in Kalio, not just in the youth ministry, but offer it for the general assembly of God's people, the church as a whole. And we need to remember that it's not just about serving us. We are not a self-serving community. We exist also to reach out to the world. So be the church in your community. Be the church in your pre-believing family. Be the church in your school. Be the church 
of Christ, the body of Christ. And I want to challenge all of us that you can use your skill, your resource well, even in weakness. Let me tell a funny story as I end soon my, my, my sermon. You know, there's this minister that concluded that his church is in serious financial trouble. So, uh, coincidentally, by chance, while checking the church building, he discovered there's cartons of new Bible that have never been opened. So, he has this idea, maybe he can sell it. So, at the sermon uh, on Sunday, he challenged three young volunteers to say this, okay, we need to sell this uh, Bible door to door and use the money for church in that sense. So Abeng, Aseng, Aheng all raised up their hands and said, we will volunteer for the task, the young people. And the Reverend knew that, oh, Abeng and Aseng, the first two, shouldn't have any problem because they earn their living as a salesman so they can talk capable of sell, selling new Bibles uh, door to door. But he had doubt with Aheng. Why? Because Aheng uh, stutter, stammer, uh, speech impairment, uh, very hard to communicate. So, so what happens is this, in order not to discourage Aheng, the one that's, uh, that has speech impediment, he said, never mind, Aheng, you can do a good job also. So, okay, off they went uh, that Sunday, selling Bible. And after that whole weekend is over, the three of them came back to the reverend. And Abeng said this, reverend, I have managed to sell about a uh, $200 worth of Bible, 20 Bibles. And then the reverend said, wow, well done. Ah, uh, Beng, you have done a great job for the church. Then Ah uh, saying, right, the second one began to say, hey, reverend, do you know what? I think I did a better job. I mean, as youths, you know, they like to boast among one another. Say, I've done a better job. I sold 30 Bibles, $300. Good, right? Then the reverend said, wow, you did a wonderful job, great job. The, the money can be used for the church. Then turning back to Aheng, the last person with speech impediment, he said, uh, so Aheng, how did you do then? Aheng uh, brought this envelope to the reverend and the reverend opened his, wow, $5,000. Then they, the three of them, the reverend Abeng Aseng was wondering, how did he do that, you know? So then they keep on questioning him and, and Reverend very politely said, so Aheng, tell me what's the secret? How did you do that with your speech? Of course, I never say with your speech impediment. Lah. So then Aheng began to reply, I, 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 I really don't know how, how I do it. Abeng said, hey, quick, lah, tell us. Lah. Then he continued, I just said this door to door to everyone. Would you like to buy, buy, buy this Bible for $10? Would you like me to stand and, and read to you? <laughs> What's my point here? If one avail yourself even in your weakness, God can use you because it is God that enable. But use your gift properly. So what's the application here? 
You, you are the church. Take away the misconception that you are the church tomorrow. No, 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 no. You are the church now. Today, you are the body of Christ. Remove that misconception. You are the church now. Use your, use your gift and talent and resource to build the church of God. Be the church today. Live out that identity God has called you to, both as individual and in a community context. You are the church and we need you. The adults need you. The children needs you. Everyone needs you. And I want to challenge you to use it well. If you don't, the larger part of GEFC will suffer or lose out the benefit. But if you do, it will contribute much. And I want to say this also, that if you do contribute, that you will also benefit from the environment, the community that can help you become champion for God. Use your gift well. Offer to the faith community. And as I look at you, the way you, you are doing things is filled with creativity, strength, energy, life. Even in your positive example, during your youth phase can be an encouragement to us adults and to everybody. So offer yourself to the community. Live out that, uh, that identity God has called you to. But do not forget there's a community aspect to that. You are the church, the body of Christ. Let's join our hands and our hearts together with everybody in the, in the church to build out God's church, the body of Christ. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you once again for this morning. Lord, as a community, a faith community, Lord, that we are challenged to come back to build this intergenerational connection in our midst. Lord, I know that youths are in this season of formation for greater things to come. So God, I ask of you that you will bless them, establish positive pattern for their lives. I pray also for the adults that as we contribute to their lives by modeling and mentoring them, I pray that, God, you will give us wisdom and patience to guide and nurture them towards what you have called them to. So as they walk together with us, they too will be developed into mature believers. And finally, Lord, I pray again for the younger people that they, as the church, the body of Christ, part of GEFC, will arise and much grace will be given to them. Help them even as they contribute to us that this church will truly be your light, be your sword, and be an impact to society and the community. So God bless us as we pray all this in Jesus' name.